And the problem that the church of Jesus Christ, I believe, has today is not the understanding of God's Word, but it's the teaching of God's Word that has not been quite accurate. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you this morning for your grace. Lift your hands, would you, church? God, we thank you, Lord, today. God, that you are here a part of what you have called us to do. And that God is to lay aside every weight, the things that so easily distract us, God, the the struggles, the difficulties, God, knowing that you are the author and the finisher. God, that you will finish what you began in each one of our lives. And God, this morning, we thank you, Lord, that it is not by might. It is not by power. God, there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to be victorious. It is by your spirit operating exceeding abundantly above anything we could ask or think according to your power that works in our lives. We are victorious. Can somebody shout amen in the house of God? Before you're seated, turn to somebody and tell them I'm victorious in Jesus' name. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, wonderful presence of God in the house and just excited to be here today and and to see what God is going to do. And and, uh, as I was praying this morning and and just uh, believing God for his anointing, I really sense that God is going to give some of us in this room, a breakthrough. Now, you say, Pastor, we're all here. Why is he given all of us? Because it takes our active participation to break through. Okay? People say, well, God can do it. Can I tell you something? According to Scripture, God did everything he's going to do 2,000 years ago at Calvary. Everything that happens now happens as we, by faith, reach out and touch him. Alan Redpath, a tremendous author who's gone home to be with the Lord, he wrote several books that were favorites of mine. And in one of his books, it was called Blessings Out of Buffetings. It was uh, just a tremendous book. And in that book, he, uh, uh, he made this statement. He said, 
when you are saved, everything that heaven has is yours. The moment you get saved, everything that heaven has is yours. But then he concluded the statement by these words. He said, but you will only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ you reach out and take. You say, Pastor, why? Why? Because we have a devil that doesn't want you to have anything. The enemy wants to keep us bombarded. He wants to keep us broken. He wants to keep us beaten down. He wants to keep us depraved. But Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's interesting. I, I love to do word studies. And when you take that passage there in, in, in John, who, who the Son sets free is free indeed. That word deed means in the ownership of your life. If you have a deed to your home, if you have a deed to your car, uh, title, whatever term, a deed is a, is a signature of ownership. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. That means every capacity of your life has been set free. Can somebody say amen? But if Alan Redpath and God's Word is correct, we'll only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ we reach out and take because the enemy gives up nothing. You say, well, Pastor, what's the enemy have to do with it? Jesus himself called Satan the God of this world. He doesn't give up anything without a fight. Can you say amen? I'm excited about uh, what we're starting today. We are starting our, golly, this is like the the fifth annual or sixth annual uh, 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 year that we have done uh, Financial Peace University. Yeah, come on. It is one of the the greatest. Uh, I, I've 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 sat down with all, with pretty much all of them that are out there, and there's lots of good ones, folks. But I, the way Dave Ramsey presents everything and promotes everything and establishes everything, folks, straight from God's word. I, I love uh, I love the way he ends his program every day, uh, or every not just his program, but every hour of his program. He said the only way to truly have financial peace is to walk with the Prince of Peace. You can't do it. Unless you're putting Jesus first, none of the rest of it matters. So what I want to do is we're going to start our class today, and this is 1.30 this afternoon. If you have not had a chance to sign up, today's class is free. You can come to this class for free. If you are an, uh, what do they call it, alumni? Is that what they call it? I started to say alma mater, but that's not right. If you're an alumni of, of the program, you can go to the whole class for free. You know, the only thing you need to do is if you don't have the current workbook, you have to buy that, which is a few bucks, and we'll get our leaders up here in just a moment. But I would encourage you at 1.30 today, be a part of it, get in there, and learn how you can bring peace in your finances through bringing Jesus, the Prince of Peace, into those finances. Let's welcome Vince and Beth Summers as they come. Uh, the head of our financial peace program here at the church. Oh. Okay, let's make sure we're working. Is this working, Victor? Victor, 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 Victor. Well, I... You got to, yeah, put it up to your lips. There you go. 
I just, I'm so excited about today. Today is so awesome. You know, Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace have played an instrumental part of Vince and my life and our family. Um, Eric and Jenny have taken the class and taught the class, and all of our grandkids have taken. They have a teenage class, and they have a kid's class for for financial peace. And so our whole family has um, taken that. And, you know, I don't know what it is, but sometimes it's just so hard for us to turn our finances over to God. And, you know, we struggle with that all the time, and it's such a private thing for us. But for Dave Rand, I mean, he just, he teaches you how to go ahead and get that done and take care of, you know, your finances and, and to turn them over to him and, and use the money that his money, his way. And so that's important. And we want you to one more time know that it's free today. And if you have any questions whatsoever, we're here, we're available, and we'll answer anything possibly that you could ask. So here's Vinny. Hello. I'm not Johnny Cash. <laughs> People over 40 got that one. But I am today the man in black. Because we do this because we want to teach people God's way of handling money. So at the end of the month, their finances are in the black and not in the red. And understand that this isn't just for people that are in debt. It isn't just for people that have credit cards. It just isn't for people that live paycheck to paycheck. It's for all God's people. I got a friend that owns 10% of American Airlines, and I could go on about all he owns. He don't know all he owns. He's kind of rich is what I'm saying. Dave Ramsey come to Salt Lake City. Guess who this guy took his kids to go his finances? Teach the same thing that the dad does, but you know how sometimes they have to hear it from somewhere else. But think about it. Outside of your salvation, is there really anything in your lives that finances don't touch? And Jesus paid the price on the cross for our sins. And we have salvation, yet we have such a hard time turning that very important area of our life over to him and entrusting in him. So this is, it affects your marriage. It, 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 people come out of this having a better marriage. Uh, the community, our church, our family. These are all things that are financial related. So we don't pry into your personal finances. You know, that's between you and God. We don't get into those private areas. But we find, and I find, that when people make the decision to turn that area of their life over to Christ, he blesses them. It's almost like he's going, whoa, there's so few people want to do it my way. I got all these blessings. We'll pour it their way. A good friend just shared with me not too long ago, He, they made the decision to sign up for financial peace. And we were talking and a couple of weeks after he made the decision to turn that area of his life over to God, there was some house that was owned previously from his uh, wife or something. And anyway, uh, they sold the home. He didn't even know about anything about just got a check for $78,000. Another couple that was in our church got a check for $3,000, something they never even knew about. And I see over and over and over people, God wants to bless us. Amen. He wants to bless you. We just have to be in a position to receive the blessing. Think about it. If we're handling our money the wrong way, is he going to want to put his assets in our hands? God's principles work in finances, even if you don't have God in your life. You look at some of the real wealthy people that don't live for Jesus, but they still under the concept of giving and uh, and budgeting and that type of thing. So, yeah. And I'm so thankful to have a pastor that this ain't something I want to do, believe me. But he gives us a nudge, you know, 
And uh, but this is something. It's an outreach to our community. So you're welcome to bring friends, family members. But we also have a good time. Sometimes you know, I hear people. Oh, I like miss small groups. We do small groups. You know. So anyway, amen. Uh, we look forward to seeing you this afternoon if you choose to stop in. One thirty. Is that what time it starts? One thirty. Come on, let Vince and Beth know they do this every year. And uh, they just do a tremendous job of making it happen. And they will be back there. And also they'll be back at the, at the back of the uh, room when, when uh, uh, today is over, uh, the service is over. And I encourage you to go see them. Folks, it's, you know, the, the strings are not attached. Only the glory of God's promise is attached. I, I got a, a, a couple more things that I want to talk about just really quick. We had we uh, we talked about our nursery ministry here a few weeks ago, and how the the littlest ones in the church desperately need people to care for them. Now, now please listen to me. I I know sometimes we come to church, and you say, "Well, the last thing I want to do is is go into the nursery. The last thing I want to do is go take care of the kids. I got my own kids. I got my own babies. I got okay. Praise the Lord." So do we just come to church and dump them into a babysitter? Well, folks, we don't babysit. When, you're, when you see our nursery, you'll see the, the ones that work in there are praying for those kids. The ones that work in there are reading uh, the Word of God to those kids. You say, well, Pastor, they don't even understand. Oh, their spirit understands completely. And when you're reading, you're building that foundation in their lives. And so... Ladies and gentlemen, we need people that will give themselves to taking care of the littlest of our church, okay? And, and it's Sunday morning and Wednesday evenings uh, is when we have the, the child care, and we, we desperately need your involvement. The kids need it, and uh, I can't say enough about it uh, if we... Or as we have enough people in it, my goodness, you're back there once a month, once every six weeks, once every two months. It's not like you're back there every single week, okay? But we have this, is, is Savannah still in here? Savannah and, uh, and Sophie, we have, we have a handful of people that are in there every single week because we don't have enough people involved. So I ask you, please, take time. And I know there's some, you know, sometimes we say, well, you know, that's the only family time I get. To some of those kids in that nursery, that's the only family time they get. Because the home life isn't always what it is. So I, I encourage you to be a part of that. See Savannah. The nursery is at, the le- at my left, your right, as you leave this building. Uh, if you would just go back there and say, hey, I want to sign up. How do I become a part of it? Okay. Uh, I'll just tell you right now, the first thing you have to do is you do have to fill out an application. And you do have to fill out a FBI background check. None of our children have anybody around them that we don't know as best as possible who you are and where you're from. Okay. I think our kids are worth it, don't you? So, uh, yeah, come on, put your hands together. It's, it is a true statement. And so you will have to do that, and it doesn't cost you anything. We pay for all of it, 
okay? And that way uh, we know who are taking care of our the, the littlest ones that we have. So please uh, take the time this after. And Pastor Ray, when you come to dismiss, please talk about that again. And just that way we remind. I, I, I got these things. I, I, I bought several of these uh, for the church. And it's just basically a little flyer that talks about a place to belong. And we've got some out in the foyer. But what I want to do is I actually want to put together a team that will join me. And I want to go house to house in our neighborhood. And I don't want to necessarily talk to people. We're not going to knock on doors. We're just going to put these in the doors. We're going to set them in there. And uh, people are not good with confrontation. Christians aren't good with confrontation. And the people on the other side of the door aren't good with confrontation. Okay? And, and uh, um, so we just want to go and just get these out. It just says a place to belong. A lot of people are looking for places to belong. They're looking for a church. They're looking for relationships. Sadly, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. So we want to go to them. Say, Pastor, why don't they just come to church? Well, Jesus told us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go. Okay? He didn't say they will come. He said, go. And he said, if I am lifted, I will draw people. So uh, we've got these out there. There's some in the foyer, so I ask you to take some. It's got the church name on it. It's got the church telephone number. So that means if they call, they will talk to me. They won't talk to you. So you don't have to worry about anything. Okay? And uh, you say, Pastor, what will you say? Oh, I don't worry about that because God always gives me what to say. So uh, let's do that and, and uh, take these things, and, and there's a few of them out there. But I want to put together a team. If you're interested in being on a team to go with me personally, I'm going to go out into the neighborhood, and I may knock on doors, so you might get a little comfortable, uncomfortable with me because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good knocking on doors, okay? And so, but I want to put together a team uh, that I will personally take out, and we're going to take out and, and put some, uh, some flyers out and just to welcome people and to get people involved. How many think that might be a good idea? Okay, so come up and see me after church. And uh, if you give me your name, I will expect you to participate. Maybe I won't give you your... Well, even if you don't give me your name, if God puts you on my heart, I'll call you anyway. But still, you need to... Uh, let's be a part of that. Am I forgetting anything, sweetheart? This is Pastor Sweetheart. Stand up, honey, would you? Hey, everybody, this is my wifey. Yeah. I, 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 we affectionately call her Pastor Honey, Pastor Sweetheart. Maybe I call you that. But Anyway, Second Kings, if you have your Bibles. Providence promises peace and protection. Say that three times fast. Providence promises peace and protection. Now, I want you to look at that first word, providence. You know what providence means? I just want to give you a very simple term. It means God's in control. I want you to think about that for a second because I'm going to ask you a question. Providence means God's in control. Okay, look up here at me. God's in control. Oh, I know it means a whole lot more, but I'm just simplifying it. God's in control. Providence. Now, the question I ask you, is he? 
I'm not talking about the world. Can I tell you when God looks at the world, he doesn't look at the world. He sees Dylan. When God looks at the world, he doesn't see the world. He sees Sean. He sees Christy. He sees Mary. He sees Paula. He sees Asiel. He sees Michael and William. He sees Rita. He sees Sarah. So when I say providence, what God is literally saying, he wants to be in control of your life. And if God's in control of your life, look what happens. You have the promises of peace and protection. But just like that Alan Redpath statement, just because people say, well, God's everywhere. That's right, but God's not moving everywhere. God moves on behalf of his people. Are you okay with that? God moves on behalf of you and me. That's why prayer is so critically important. The Bible says God already knows what you have need of before you even ask. But why do you ask? Because you're inviting God into your life to be in control of that situation. So let me ask you the question. How many here, understanding providence a little bit more, say, I need God's providence in my life? I need God to control me. I I can control myself. Controlling yourself has got you in the place you're in right now. I remember I went to a college one time. I was asked, they were doing a, they were doing a subject on religion. And folks, understand, I'm, your pastor's one of those kind of people that he just kind of gets right there, you know. How you doing? Doing good? Yeah. I kind of just get right. Yeah, you're doing good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're doing, yeah. I was, I was at this college. It was a little college over in California. It was called Stanford. Uh, yeah, they asked me to come and talk to the religion class because they're talking about the religions of the world. And so they invited me over there, and and uh, and I was there. They figure I'm a college I'm a college professor at a at a Bible college, so I should be okay to talk to this little college. You ever heard of Stanford? Okay, thought you might have. So they invite me there to to speak to the religion class, and and uh, I, I'm speaking, and I'm sharing, and and we're talking about. Providence. And this young man stands up in the back of the room. And, you know, folks, back in the day, they would call me a square. Anybody remember when they used to call you a square? You got to be over 40. Bob, that qualifies for you. Okay. <laughs> to be called a square. They would call me a square. And I, I, I'm looking at this kid and, and I love him. Yeah, I'm a square. Not you, me. Yeah. And I'm looking at this guy, and he's standing up. And he's saying, I think we should be in control of our own lives and make our own decisions. Now, picture this. And bless the Lord, the young man, he had red, green, blue, per- I, every color in the rainbow was his hair. <laughs> he had, I didn't know you could pierce that many pieces of your body. 
And I, folks, I'm not trying to be derogatory, but I, I'm, I'm talking to them. And, and this is, you know, this was golly, this was 1980-something, 1990-something. Uh, I don't remember exactly, 90-something. And, and this guy, you know, he just, he just, every picture that you would think of being out of control. And please, I, I always feel I got I to gotta put all these little uh, disclaimers. I'm not trying to offend. I'm not trying to say any. But, folks, your pastor's not a guy for mincing words. So I'm talking to this class and this young man. And I said, son, being in control of your own life is the reason you look the way you look. Now, folks, I want to say this. We wonder sometimes why we can't get jobs. We wonder sometimes why we can't progress in life. We wonder sometimes why. Could it be that we're in control and God's not? Now, I know this is hard, and I, I, I want to just set this down at the very beginning because that's not the direction that I'm going fully in this. But yet every, every part and parcel is tied together. Us being in control of our life has the chaos that we have in the world right now. That's the result of it. Are, are, are you with me? Am I making sense? Okay. When everything matters but morals, you have what you have in the world. Can I tell you something? The only way you have morals is you've got to have God. The Bible says where there is no rule, there is no law, there are no morals, no ethics, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Now, I know this isn't easy to, to hear. It's stomach. Well, pastor, you know, that's, that's kind of offensive. Ladies and gentlemen, when God said, I need to be providential in your life, if you want peace and protection, he won't do it if you don't let him. The world won't let him. So though God is everywhere, he's only moving where his people are asking. That's why the scripture is so clear in Second Chronicles. If my people, am I making any sense today? I got three amens and two preachets. Second Kings, a very familiar passage, and I want to talk about it. One night, the king of Syria sent a great army and many chariots and horses surround the city. The, the ground behind this is the king of Syria was getting all frustrated because he thought he had a mole. He thought he had somebody telling all of his plans because everywhere he went, the children of Israel were already ready and the different people that were trying to live for God were actually standing up and they would already know they were coming and the king of Syria was getting frustrated. How do these people know this? And he started looking inside the camp and trying to find a mole. He was going to clean house until one of his servants stood up and said, uh, there's a prophet over in Israel. His name is Elisha. And God tells him everything that you say in secret so he can tell everybody else. 
And so the king of Syria said, what's the big deal? One guy, I'll take care of him. Now, this is your life I'm talking about this morning. This is my life I'm talking about this morning. This is providence I'm talking about this morning. Now, I want you to grab a hold of this because in providence, your peace and protection lies. When the prophet's servant got up the next morning early, he went outside. He's probably getting up to pray, drink a cup of coffee, you know, do something, whatever. And when he went outside, he saw troops and horses and chariots everywhere. How many know when you get up in the morning, you see this whole battle arrayed against you? You might think, we got a problem. He runs into um, to Elisha and he says, Elias, my master, what shall we do? And I can picture Elisha. He's probably rubbing the sleep from his eyes. And he said, what? Chariots, horses. And then he thought to himself, maybe God opened his eyes already. I don't know. And then he says these simple words. He says, don't be afraid. Now, when you look at the numbers, there's thousands of the Syrian army. And Elijah tells him three little words. Don't be afraid. Now, look at me, please. I'm talking about providence. When God's providence leads your life, when God is pulling the strings, shooting the shots, Three words. Don't be afraid. Anytime? Never. And then he said these words. There are more for us than against us. Now those are nice words. There are more for us than against us. And then he said, Father, open his eyes that he might see. And you see the scripture on there. God opened Gehazi's eyes. And he saw the entire mountainside covered. Oh, not just horses and chariots, but flaming horses and chariots. See, when God shows up, it's a little more impressive. When God shows up, it's a little more impressive. Horses and chariots of fire. I can imagine Gehazi walked back into Elijah and said, I think we got this one. talking about providence, folks. You see, when God's in control, God always shows up. And when he shows up, he makes an entrance. And every devil in hell that is against you knows daddy showed up. But I'm talking about providence. I have so many Christians, why don't I have peace? Why don't I, 
Why does it seem like anything's being protected? Is God the providence of your life? You see, the servant saw the storm clouds, if you were, on the horizon. He saw the obvious right in front of him. But what he didn't realize is God already knew. And God was already ready. What am I saying? I want you to grab this, if you would, please, this morning. And I, this, you know, I, I thought I was going to wrap up this series on, on uh, all eternity wrapped up in you. It's all about you, folks. When you make it all about him, it all becomes about you. When God showed up in, 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 in uh, uh, Bethany, remember Bethany? We, we know the story of Lazarus. He died. Remember Lazarus? When God showed up in Bethany, Jesus showed up in Bethany. He wasn't going to Bethany. I, I, I love the passage. He said he went to the city of Mary and Martha. You see, when God thinks about the world, he doesn't. He calls it the city of Bill and Eula. Well, I live in Flagstaff too. That's right. That's why it's the city of Dan and Loria, the city of Sherelle and Justin and John and, 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 and Sandy. Not Sarah. I had to think for a second. I'm always calling Sandy her daughter's name. That when God shows up, it's, it's the city of Philemon and Jane. When God, you know, when God shows up and fly, and you say, well, when's God going to show up? He's already here. He's waiting for you to look up. I'm working on it. He's looking at the city of a bean and Heather. I don't say that very word. Ivan. That's why I call him Ivan. His Spanish name I butcher Spanish. But that's what, that's what, folks, it's the city of Tim and Jewel. It's the city of Ray and Beverly. It's the city. He said, well, I, I don't have a spouse. It's the city of Anthony. It's the city of John and Von Sale. It's the city of Steve. Folks, when God shows up, he said, well, Pastor, when is God showing up in my life? When are you looking up? See, Gehazi, all he could see was the forest. He didn't realize it was individual trees. Struggles are a part of life. Will you say that with me? Struggles are a part of life. And the problem that the church of Jesus Christ, I believe, has today is not the understanding of God's Word, but it's the teaching of God's Word that has not been quite accurate. You see, it seems that the church in today's society is more inclined to preach on the blessings of God than the realities of life. Now, folks, don't get me wrong. The blessings of God, I love. I preach 24-7 on the blessings of God. The problem is, is the devil don't like the blessings of God, so he's going to make sure you fall headfirst into the realities of life. That word immediately. Jesus made them. Now, 
You've heard this before. I preached on it before. Others have preached on it before. If you listen, to it. these guys are fishermen. They know the they know the waters. They know the sky. They can watch it. They said, you know, Jesus, I'm not sure if this is a good thing. There's a storm coming. There's struggles coming. There's there's frustrations. I don't think we should get. I think how about we just sleep on the shore tonight? We'll get in the boat tomorrow. But look what the Bible says. Jesus made them get in the boat. See, that's the problem we have with providence. Ain't no tell nobody going to tell me what to do. And God's fine with that. God's okay. You want to go for it. Let me know how that works out for you. Immediately, Jesus made them get in the boat while he was going to take care of the crowd. Now, if I would have been Jesus, I'd say, let you guys take care of the crowd. I'm tired. I want to go rest. But Jesus said, no, I got something you have to experience. You have to learn. After leaving them, the Bible says he went up to the mountainside to pray. And then when the evening came, they were in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. They were in the middle of a whole heap of problems. And Jesus was on the land. Matter of fact, he was on the mountainside. But I want you to underline this in your notes. If I hadn't already done it, maybe I did. I want you to underline these three words. He saw them. He saw them. When God looks at the world, he sees Frank and Mendy. John and Christie, Jim and Sarah. See, God never takes his eyes off of you. I'm looking at all these things going on right now. Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Joshua, or not Joshua, Jose, and and uh, all these different things that are happening. And, and uh, somebody gave me a little article last week that... that uh, they were studying Hurricane Irma that just hit. And the people that were studying it went right into the eye of the storm. Now, I want you to hear this for a second. They went right, they flew right. You think, man, that'd be a terrible place. Do you know in the eye of the storm, it is crystal clear? There's no wind, no struggle, no difficulty. Total serenity and peace. Do you know that Jesus is the eye of your storm? And he's just waiting on you to stop messing with all the periphery stuff and just give it to him. Let him be the center of your life. Be the center of it all. He saw them straining. Because the wind was against them. You may be in a situation all of life is against you. But I can tell you, God is for you. We can know God's peace, though there are struggles everywhere. God's peace and promises are obtainable even in the midst of the struggle. 
if, if we'd invite him in to the difficulty. He wants to be part of it. Matter of fact, he wants to resolve it. In John 6, we find another picture of the story. And the Bible says, when Jesus came to them walking on the water, the storms and the waves and the, all the struggling they were doing, you know, they, they cried out, Master, don't you care that we die? They saw Jesus come walking to them on the water in another picture of this. And the Bible says they thought he was a ghost. Now think about it for a second. When you look at this passage in John chapter 6, and you can pull it up. It's not in your notes, but you can pull it up at John 6, uh, 20, 21, 22. The Bible says when Jesus came walking on the water, he would have passed them by. Now look at me for a second, please. I really want you to grab this. He was going to let the storm continue. He was going to leave them right smack dab in the middle of the struggle. He wasn't going to do anything about it. Well, Pastor, how can that be peaceful? What was Jesus' order when he put them in the boat? Remember? Go to the other side. How many know when Jesus tells you to do something, you're guaranteed you will arrive? The Bible says he was going to walk right past them, but they saw him. Now think about it. Jesus had built in their lives. Jesus had, had worked in their lives. Jesus had been developing their lives. And he says, okay, guys, what are you going to do with what you've learned? My daughter, 13 years old, sitting on the kitchen floor. I was talking to her on the phone uh, yesterday, and, and uh, yeah, she's not 13 anymore. Uh, she's, <clears throat> yeah, well, she's, yeah, 40, yeah. I started having kids when I was eight, and it was, uh, okay, maybe not. Okay, anyway, anyway, <laughs> so my daughter, 13 years old on the kitchen floor, and she's, she's trying to have this conversation with me and trying to sway me. And I would talk to her, and I said, Dee, you know this and this, and I would talk to her, and she said, Dad, I know, I know. Dad, I know. Dad, you know the hardest people to talk to are the ones that know. Like I said a few weeks ago, you know, what, the problem with know-it-alls is they never tell you all they know. You, how do you, what do you do with these folks? So I'm talking, I know, I know. Anybody like that? Don't raise your hand, please. Okay. I know, I know. And I asked her this question. I said, sweetheart, what do you do with what you know to do? You need to write that question down. Because we're talking about providence. You know God's supposed to be in control. What do you do with what you know to do? You know, my daughter's 13-year-old response was, Dad, I don't like that question. I closed the case. Because it doesn't matter if you're 13, 30, 60. We still don't like the question. Because, you see, it's never an issue of knowing what to do. It's always an issue of doing what you know. We know what to do. But to concede that means somebody else is in charge. 
Don't you hate it when the pastor talks right in your mailbox? I leave church every week and people say, Pastor, that was just for me. I said, yes, I was at your house the other day and I opened your mail and I looked at everything and I put it right together. Okay, maybe not. What do you do with what you know to do? The Bible says he was going to let the storm continue. He was going to pass right by them except they saw him and they thought it was a ghost. And then Jesus, listening to Peter, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Remember those three words? Don't be afraid. You know the Bible, they say, and I've never actually counted it, but in the Bible, there are 365 references to do not be afraid, fear not, Different things like, you know, could it be that because there's 365 days in the Gregorian calendar? Jesus was going to pass right by them, but they saw him. In your life, are you looking for him? When When you're struggling, are you really crying out to him? That's what they did. They cried out. And they said, Lord, if it's you, Peter said, bid me to come. Now, nothing like putting God on the spot. God, I'm going through all kinds of stuff, and I can't even walk. And you know what's even more impossible? is for me to step out of this boat and walk on that water. Lord, if it's you. We talked about that just last week. Who else said, or on Wednesday night actually, who else said, if it be the Lord? You see, the devil's always trying to challenge our relationship with God and his providence in our life. If it is you, bid me to come. You know what he's saying? I'm not sure it's you, God. People don't walk on water. And Jesus answered the way Peter didn't think. He said, I'm your huckleberry. Come on. Maybe you got to be over 40 to know that one too. Come on. He stepped out of the boat. The only other person that we know of in all creation that walked on the water. You say, well, Pastor, he didn't walk very long. I, why? When he knew it was Jesus and he stepped on that water, all providence was for him. God was in control of everything. You see, only God can take the impossible and make it possible. You see what God says? If it's impossible for you, no big deal. It's possible for me. That's why the Bible tells us those those wonderful words. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He said, come on. Oh, yeah. He sunk when he took his eyes off of Jesus. When he said, I'm taking this back over, God, and this isn't normal. 
Can I tell you, peace in the middle of a problem is not normal. That's why God is, that's why the word of God said it transcends understanding. Peace in the middle of the problem. But that's not what I want to get you to. He would have passed them by because he said, guys, this isn't going to hurt you. This is going to help you. You're going to learn that when I say to go and do it, you can do all things because I'm going to give you the strength. And I'm going to make sure it all works together. So they they get there, and Peter gets out there, and he sinks. And the Bible says as, Je- as Peter cries out, Jesus reached down and picks him up. And they invited him into the boat. And as you look in John, what happened when they got him in the boat? What's the next word? It's on the screen. Immediately, they were on the other side. What is God saying? That when you allow providence, immediately God will take that problem. Oh, it doesn't mean that you won't see the 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 repercussions or the the issues that but God said, I'll take that thing. I will lift that burden. I will take that yoke. I will do all of this to help you. When you invite him in to the situation. You see, the Bible says in Philippians that that peace, when when you invite God, he said, your hearts and your mind will come to rest. Philippians chapter 4, 7. Isaiah 26 says it this way. He keeps us in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast on him because we trust him. Am I making sense this morning? You see, I'm trying to help us to understand if we want the promise of peace and protection, we've got to give providence to him fully, completely, no strings attached. Can somebody say amen? You say, pastor, it just, it doesn't make sense. Well, folks, let me, let me share some things with you. There are many gifts of God that are fully incomprehensible to us. Well, tell me one, salvation. The Bible says in first in Second Corinthians chapter nine verse fifteen, it's indescribable. Write this down. This is not in your notes. These are in my notes. Well, okay. You said there's lots of things. Okay, let me tell you something else. The complexity and wisdom of God says, it says God's plan is inscrutable. You, you cannot even you cannot even try to understand it. In, in in Isaiah fifty five, he said, "My ways are not your ways; your ways are not my ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, my ways are higher than your ways." We can't even. The Bible says it's beyond finding out. See, there's lots of peace. That's a little thing for God. L- let me tell you something else that is totally. Beyond our ability to God's love. How can God love the unlovable? Have you ever looked in the mirror and said, God, how can you love me? I don't even love me sometimes. Have you ever done that? But see, God, his love surpasses knowledge. That's what it tells us in Ephesians 3, 9, 19. It's so great 
that we could not even begin to grasp and fully understand. That's why on Calvary he could say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You sit back, I sit back, and the natural said, sure they knew what they were doing. They put him up there. He said, no. They didn't understand by doing this. I am able to defeat the one who is trying to, to destroy their lives every day. He said, what they meant for bad, God, you're using for good. Can somebody say amen? Oh, come on, get excited. What you, what people, what the world meant for bad, God, use it for good. And he crushed the enemy under his feet. Ladies and gentlemen, human reasoning is incapable of fully comprehending how if we give him providence, he can give us peace. If we give him providence, he can give us protection. You see, the believer who places their full confidence in God and is thankful in every circumstance can possess peace that transcends all understanding. An inner calm of the heart. You see, it's in faithfulness that we possess peace. In our heart and our minds are guarded. And despite how the tempest rages, no one, especially those outside of Christ, will be able to fathom the peace that you're walking in. And outside of Providence, folks, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. How we can have the serene in the midst of the turmoil. Can I borrow your, your guitar, Bill? I want to... Put your notes away. We're going to stop there. I got to bring this up here. Victor, make me sound good, please. I need all the help I can get. Don't forget your straps over there. God's peace. Don't worry. I see what time it is. I'm not going to keep you much longer. God's peace. You and I desperately need it. Okay, you say, well, I'm, I'm fine. Oh, okay, praise the Lord. I desperately need it. But that's your cord. I need that cord. Bill, will you make sure this is on for me, please? Or Will, one of you two? Yeah, your younger legs, Will, come on. Is this on? Is this on? Is it? No? Okay. Is this is this on, Will? 
Can you make sure this button's on and it doesn't say mute? Is it on? Does it say mute? Where's it at, Victor? Okay. Well, everybody's coming to try to make this work. I want us to just grab this thing. Because I have so many people talk to me and say, Pastor, what is, what is going on? I, God promised me. Peace, strength, hope, victory. And I continually ask them, where is God in your life? And you know the, the attitude or the response that I get from most folks? It's God's, God's in control. And then I ask them just a few questions. And then they start saying, well, maybe he's not in control. Is this working yet? Praise the Lord. It's coming. Is it back here, Victor? Huh? Okay, we'll run. Walk walk quickly. These folks are hungry. You don't want to get them hangry now. When God, when I'm struggling with things, and the best, the best way to talk about it is me. When I'm struggling as your pastor with things, the very first thing I do is I try to find out where God is. You say, well, pastor, God's everywhere. That's right. God is everywhere. But he's not in the middle of my thing unless I got him in the middle of my thing. And chances are he's not in the middle of my thing if he's not in the middle of my thing because I haven't invited him in the middle of my thing because I'm not sure it's what he wants for his thing. And there's a lot of us do things that we want God to be a part of. And God said, nah, it's not my thing. Are we still working? Still not working? Oh, thank you, Lord. Electronics. What? What are we doing, Victor? Not picking anything up. Well, I think that volume, that volume right there, that volume right here. Yeah. Yeah. We might need a battery. Don't worry, folks. We got it all under control. Maybe we need Providence in the guitar. Oh, my goodness, this thing's dead or in the door now. Bring me a 9-volt, please. I was wondering why I couldn't hear you this morning very well, Bill. You got to replace these batteries. It's amazing you got a you got a four thousand dollar guitar, and you got a ninety nine cent battery that it doesn't function unless you have it in there. Okay, so now let's try it. It's in. It's in. It's in.
Okay, let's bow our heads and pray. Okay. I want you to put the la- this last line on the screen for me, would you? And then put that song up. I'm sorry, Bob was right on top of it. Paul was right on top of it. But God's peace, you see it there, doesn't answer all the questions. Remember, Jesus was going to walk right past him. Did you find it, Paul? God's peace, he can't find it, Bob. Maybe you can. God's peace doesn't answer all the questions. But even though we do not fully understand what God's peace will do is enable you not to question all the answers. Let me say it again. God's peace doesn't answer all the questions. But when you give God providence, when you allow the providence of God in your life, he will enable you not to question all the answers. Why? Because it's probably not going to be the answer you like. What would happen if Jesus would have walked right past him? He would have been on the other side waiting for him. And they would have asked, well, how'd you get here? Oh, I took the subway. Or I went airmail. God is always where he left you. And he is always where he takes you. You just got to ask, where is he in the middle? Is he the providence of my life? God's peace doesn't answer all the questions. You may not have an answer why you went through what you went through, why you're going through what you're going through. But I'm talking about providence. It's not about you. It's about him and his plan for your life. And there's certain ways that he will accomplish that plan. His ways, your ways, aren't the same. His peace doesn't answer all the questions. But when you're fully embraced in God's providence, you'll begin to stop questioning all the answers. This song is a song that I learned, golly, when I first got saved. Because I was going through things and I was struggling and I was dealing with issues and I said, God, I need to know where you are. And God took me over to John 16. And he said, in this world you're going to have problems, but in me you're going to have peace. In John 14, if you turn there in your Bibles, I want you to look at a portion of Scripture that was paramount to my life in John Chapter 14. It's not on the screen, folks. It's not in your notes. If I gave you all the notes that I work from every Sunday, you would have a booklet in your hand. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, it says these words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you peace. Peace like the world does. 
because your heart must not be troubled or fearful. See, the world's peace is is static. The world's peace is temporary. The world's peace is superficial. But he said, my peace, it'll go beyond everything you're ever facing. And this is what this song spoke so much to my life. My peace I give unto you. It's a peace that the world cannot give. It's a peace that the world cannot understand. A peace to know. A peace to live. My peace I give unto you. We're going to sing that again. And I wonder if you'll sing it with me. I want you to take John 14, 27. And I ask you with all the depths of my being to memorize it. Because the world is going to let you down. People are going to let you down things are going to happen. It's called life. But if you'll trust and you'll say, God, you're in control. It's your, it's, your, it's your journey. I'm just walking the path you set before me. Remember the footsteps of a good man? God, you said you'd order them. And God said, yep, as long as you're stepping, I'm ordering. And then put it into his hands. Say, God, I don't understand it all. I don't have all the answers to the questions, but I'm trusting you. So today, I'm going to stop questioning all the answers. These altars are open. You're dealing with things. You're going through things. You're, you're frustrated, whatever the case is. Come give it to the answer, whose name is Jesus. My peace, I give, I It's peace that the world cannot give. It's peace that the world cannot understand. A peace to know. A peace. together and sing it, would you with me?
charts if you want to find it. Just refresh. I want to talk to you just for a moment as you're standing. Where are you today? Is God really the providence of your life? Is God really calling the shots? Is your husband, is your wife, your son, your daughter, your job, your career, your school, who's calling the shots? Now, God has a problem, no problem with any of these things I just listed. He just said, I have a problem. When you're looking and trusting, yielding and giving more to that than me. reason that we struggle with the peace of this world is because it's fleeting. It will leave you high and dry. But Jesus said, my peace, I give. It's a peace that the world cannot give. My love, that's what I give. It's the love that the world does not even begin to understand. That's why Calvary is so hard for people to grasp. Because it doesn't make sense. Why would somebody die for me? What are you struggling with? What are you dealing with? Like I said, these altars are open. I encourage you. If you're, if you're facing something, dealing with something, you don't even know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's okay. He said, if you'll just give your life to me, I'll give life back to you. You feel hopeless. He said, that's fine. I'll give you the hope that you're looking for. Would you sing with me today? I peace, I give unto you. It's a peace that the world cannot.
as the music plays, I just really, I just really believe. Go ahead, keep playing, guys, would you please, ladies? I just really believe God wants us to experience the peace that I'm talking about. God really wants us to know this this joy, this confidence, this hope. But he can't do it without you. God is everywhere, but God doesn't move except on behalf of you. You're trying to find happiness in all the wrong places. You're trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction and joy and, and fun and what? Put God. Put God in the middle of your life. And you know what he'll do? He'll take you places you couldn't even imagine. Because he'll take you places that are part of his plan. His peace. A peace that the world cannot understand. It's the peace he wants you to have. Father, in this place, we have people at these altars. And God, they, like us, struggle. They, like each one of us in here, have to make decisions of yielding life to you or keeping life to ourselves. Help us, Lord, today to know your peace, to know your joy, to know your hope, the victory only you can give. God, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Be with those that have come. God, be with those that, for whatever reason, didn't feel like they could come. But God, help none of us to leave here today without answering the question, What do we do with what we know to do? What do we do with it? We know you have to be in charge. Complete control of our lives. God, it's not hard to do. It literally is impossible. That's why we need you. God, we give our lives to you today. Guide and direct us today and lead us in your way. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. The worship team is going to lead us in one of my favorite songs that we've learned in the last few months. And the song is very simply, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Folks, Hurricane Irma, Harvey, Jose, the fires that are consuming the Northwest, the upheaval, the kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, Korea, or North Korea rather, The Bible tells us that in the day we live, man will become lovers of themselves, heady, high-minded, despisers of God, looking 
at themselves and wanting everything that they want and nothing that God wants. Second Timothy, so I don't have to quote it to you, I'll read it to you. In the last days, difficult times will come. Look what it says. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, lovers uh, rather than lovers of God. And they still say they're godly. But they deny God. Does that look like the world we're living in? If we want peace, we got to put God in charge of our life. Because these things that I just read, they're not going away. I don't know about you, I need peace. My kids need peace. My grandkids, my brothers, my sisters, my family. The church that I'm privileged to pastor needs peace. You. And you won't do it without providence. God has to be in charge. Stop, stop saying, God, what about what I want? I just read what you want. Lovers of self, not loving God. It's what we want that got us in mess. Where are you at? What do you do with what you know to do? Father, I thank you as we sing this song. God, help us to look inside our heart of hearts. And God, say, we know that you're at the beginning. And you're going to be at the end. But where are you right now in my life? Where are you right now? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.